Hello, folks. This is Chopping It Up with CJ. I'm your host, Chris James, and this is a special episode of the podcast where I'll be recapping the 2024 divisional round of the NFL playoffs. For those of you all who are new to the show, welcome. For those of you all who are returning, welcome back. This is Thursday, January 25th. I'm recording this around 6 p.m. Uh, Central Standard Time. Uh, I'm on Central Time this time because I am in beautiful New Orleans, Louisiana, uh, doing a, a little bit of a, some football-related content. We'll just we'll just say that. Uh, shout out to the uh, Tulane Professional Football Negotiation Competition Board. Um, so we're going to go ahead and jump into this. But the reason that I wanted to do this particular show, if you know, I split up the divisional round games, all four of them, where I did 15-minute shows for each. And this one will probably be 10 to 15 minutes. I just want to quickly recap what occurred in those games. And I'll be doing this off the, the top of my head because I got to watch most of them this past weekend. So we're going to go ahead and we're going to start off with the first game. And that was the Baltimore Ravens hosting the Houston Texans. That was on Saturday. Now, this game actually went to some respect how I expected it to go. Just a quick recap of what I expected as far as the outcome of this game. Well, basically, it sounds simple, but the Texans have to stay ahead of the sticks from a down and distance perspective. The Ravens feast on third and long, especially with a rookie quarterback. If they do that, this offense can function as normal. The Ravens can be afraid to throw it early and often. But can't, the Ravens can't be a, Uh, afraid to throw it early and often. They need to attack those cornerbacks along the sideline, not because of their lack of talent, but due to the scheme and how they press and remain inside. If they get complacent with the run, they'll run into a situation that has them playing from behind. So, unfortunately for the Texans, they were not able to stay ahead of the down and distance. They went third and long quite a bit, uh, unable to get inside the 25-yard line of the Ravens at any point in the game. Now, as far as the the Ravens, they didn't attack that area of the field. Early on, it actually looked like they looked to do some of that, but the Texans properly filtered them and uh, made sure to, to make those receivers go inside, and Lamar didn't have any answers early. Part of why Lamar didn't have any answers early is because they blitzed like a champ at it. And when Lamar decides to try to play quarterback the way that people want him to play, which is sit in the pocket, sit in the pocket, sit in the pocket, sometimes he wants the right answer instead of the quick answer. Not because he can't process. Let's go ahead and get that out of our way. It's because he can process. So it'll be paralysis by analysis instead of just going to play. So that first half, especially on the last drive before the uh, half, they blissed him, blissed him, blissed him, and he didn't have any easy answers. I don't know what was said, but when they went into the locker room, I'm sure Lamar said, we need to get the ball out quick. And that's what they did. Now, again, the Texans tried everything. They brought everything out of the bag, but nothing worked. I knew it was over when they tried that double reverse pass type situation and went to, I think, Hutchinson, number 19, and it got like three yards. That's when I knew the game was over, over. Um, I had the Ravens winning this one and covering the spread, going 31 to 19. It wasn't even that close. They got dominated in this particular one. I believe it was 34 to 10. Uh, the only the only touchdown score was a punt return by Steven Sims. 
So, the Ravens proved that they're a dominant force, and the Texans, kudos to them. You don't want to just be happy that you made it. Ooh, ah, we made it to the playoffs and made it to the divisional round, but they have things to build off of. Obviously, CJ Stroud's going to get better. Uh, that offense is going to get more continuity. And the defense is going to get more and more infusions of talent. They play really well this year, but they can still use some more pieces, like most teams, especially when they're in coming off of a rebuilding mode. So that game went kind of the script. Then we had the Saturday night game. And whoa, buddy, this one actually upset me. And here's why it upset me. It didn't upset me because of the end result. Yes, I would prefer for the Packers to win, mainly because I thought they were the better team on Saturday. But it didn't go to script because, honestly, the 49ers looked offensively broken. I don't mean broken like they can't function. I mean broken like they had a computer error. Basically, it looked like when Debo Samuel went out, Kyle Shanahan's brain could not convert to doing something different. It's like, stick to the script, stick to the script. Um, sorry to bother you. You know, you know. But it was so annoying to watch that. It was annoying to watch Brock Purdy be mediocre for three quarters. And he was pretty good in the fourth quarter. Give him his, his flowers on that and they got the W. But it was hard to watch. It was also hard to watch... I don't think the referees cheated. I'm not a big proponent of the referees are cheating. I don't think that happens. I think that a lot of times, more than anything, if they're trying to cheat, it's not because they're trying to cheat. They'll give the benefit of the doubt to certain things. That's just what happens. That's life. Also, there's mistakes that are made. Case in point, the Packers got that first down on the fourth and fourth and one. They did. It's a bad spot. I wholeheartedly would put money on it that they got that first down, but they marked them short. Packers got inside that red zone three times, and they got six points to show for it. Not even nine, but six. And it's because they just didn't deliver the good inside the red zone, and they let a team that is more talented than them, or scratch that, has higher expectations get the W. Because again, they outplayed the 49ers. The, the thing that I thought was going to happen is I thought the Packers would move the ball down the field with ease and the 49ers would too. The thing is, I thought the 49ers would stay ahead of the sticks and the 49ers would score more points. I thought this would be a seven on seven shootout. Well, it was not. So I had the 49ers winning 38-28 and they did not. This was a very annoying game for me to watch. A final score of 24-21 by the 49ers. When the Packers held up their end of the bargain for the most part, Again, the 49ers didn't. It's very frustrating to see that. Um, so Saturday went, one game went to expectation in some respects. The other game did not. But the winners that I, I thought would win ended up winning. Let's move on to Sunday's game. Uh, this was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the Detroit Lions. And as I said, basically, this one would be decided by these keys to victory. The Bucs should look to set up deep shots with quick passing game early. This could frustrate those those slot slot hawks in Brian Branch and CJ Gardner-Johnson. The Lions should use Jameer Gibbs initially to loosen up those linebackers horizontally, then come back with Montgomery on the interior. Playing both guys at time should be a part of the game plan. The team that goes away from the run too early is the loser in this contest. Here's the fun part. So, the Bucs didn't even need to loosen them up. I think they actually tried to go at the Chris Godwin early, and some people uh, gave me some crap 
about Chris Godwin not hitting his over number. And by the way, my prediction was the Lions 31, Bucks 20. They just went to Mike Evans and said, bump it, we're going to Mike Evans. They also ran the ball and kept running the ball with Rashad White later into the game, well into the third quarter. The difference was, on that call I was right. They needed to stick with the run and they tried to as long as they could, but they realized the pass was too easy and too tasty. The, the Lions did stick with the run though. And Jameer Gibbs showed why he was deserving of not only a first round pick, but a first half of the first round, first round pick. Guy's explosive. He's an offensive weapon. Y'all need to get this whole nomenclature of running backs can't go in the first round because of, no, offensive weapons that are built different should go in places where they're built different. Jameer Gibbs is an offensive weapon who plays running back. Bijan Robinson is an offensive weapon that plays running back. You'd rather people draft tight ends at those levels than running backs. You'd rather them draft receivers that end up busting over those running backs. Whatever. Anywho, so this game went kind of to the script. Uh, the Bucks scored late after the Lions being up 31 to 17, but the Bucks scored and went for two. Kind of awkward. Um, and that was actually a decider. That was a big coin toss flip when it comes to the score. Because if they score that two, a lot of people lose money who bet on the, the Lions. They didn't. A lot of people who bet on the Lions to cover did win. So, what did we learn from that one? The Buccaneers had a good season. I don't think it actually says anything for their future. On a personal level, I really do not think that. I think what it tells them is they have to sign Baker Mayfield. Hopefully, they get a reasonable contract out of him. High 20s, low 30s, but they'll probably end up paying $35 million a year for a couple of years. Um, I don't think that they did anything to like build off. Like, I think the Texans are building off something, personally. I don't think the Bucs are building off anything. I think they've extended the window of some of their players and their, their coaching staff, scheme, whatever. But I don't think they're building on much. The Detroit Lions are building. And they're continuing to build and they're continuing to utilize resources properly. And they still have a window that is open for the next two to three years if they continue to operate in this manner. All right. Now the last game, the one that I got most right, mainly because I have a lot of exposure to this game. This, the players, the teams playing against each other, how they operate with each other, even with, with roster turnover, it doesn't matter. They operate very similarly against each other. Now, this was the big old Patrick Mahomes is finally on the road for a playoff game situation with the Buffalo Bills hosting the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, the keys to victory for me, this game could look way different than the infamous 13-second game as both teams focus on the run. I think the team that is able to effectively pass, especially using their tight ends, will be the victor. Granted, the run game will be a success indicator. It'll be the team that's salting away the game That'll be facing the Ravens. Now, I didn't get it perfect. That's wrong. But I got it pretty doggone well. This was not a shootout, quick score game like the 13-second game was. Both teams did focus on the run game. And the victor was the one that was able to more effectively pass. The Bills did a pretty damn good job with Josh Allen throwing the ball. But Patrick Mahomes is better that day. And they used the tight ends. Travis Kelsey had two touchdowns in that game. Yes, run game will be a success indicator, but it'll be the, the team that's salting it away, uh, that will, using it to salt the game away, that will be facing the Ravens. 
after missed field goal, you got that Isaiah Pacheco first down and it was game time. Listen, I had the Bills losing this one by three. I had the Chiefs winning 24 to 21. Chiefs won 27 to 24. At the end of the day, I want to get a couple of things out. And I do want to mention it on this podcast. I'm going to start here. Josh Allen, he, he's a beast. That, that that's, a, that's a dude. They have a dude. Okay? Buffalo, you have a dude. You also don't have any Super Bowl appearances. You have no AFC championship wins. One visitation. You keep running to this roadblock. And then last year, it was another roadblock. Josh Allen deserves respect for how well he played in that game. First three quarters, especially. And then the fourth quarter, he wasn't terrible. He wasn't great, but he wasn't terrible. Um, he was just pretty solid. Like People want to talk about the, the tackle being pushed back into him. But what about Josh Allen putting it on the ground for no damn reason? The reason I'm saying this is, why the hell were we talking about Josh Allen on all sorts of everywhere? With all due respect, shut that crap up. Talk about the dude who's doing stuff that no one else has done. Talk about the dude who's giving an honest push at goatdom after being in the NFL for only seven years and six years of starting. This should have been the talk about Patrick Mahomes instead of Josh Allen and what could help and was he let down. No one gives a crap. And the reason no one gives a crap isn't because Josh Allen is not dope. is isn't because he's not good at football. because he didn't get the W. And unlike the 13-second game where, honestly, that dude didn't get a chance to win the game after winning the game. He just went against greatness. 13 seconds, they get in field goal range and then didn't get the ball back. Cool. In this game, Josh had chances in the fourth quarter and they didn't come through. That doesn't mean that Josh is a bum. What it means is he just didn't come through. I'll give you an example, at least that comes in my head. Josh Allen is like LeBron James early-ish in his career, LeBron James. Josh Allen basically dropped 40 against the Kansas City Chiefs, right? So he dropped 40 against the Kansas City Chiefs. Then Josh Allen threw the ball in the corner to Kyle Korver because he was wide open. And Kyle Korver, who is a more than 50% three-point shooter from the corner, missed. Better than a coin flip. People are would, would blame LeBron James. Why didn't he try to take over and do whatever? Let's go to Josh Allen. What I'm saying here is Josh Allen balled out. He dropped 40 in this game. Josh Allen threw the ball to Kyle Korver in the corner, meaning Josh Allen could have kept chopping wood, using that game plan, hit Stephon Diggs underneath. Then it would have been third and three, and he could have run for the first down because he's a big plotting dude. Instead, it was third and nine and fourth and nine. Josh Allen didn't win. Can we just accept that and move forward and not say everyone let him down? No one's saying Kyle Korver let down LeBron James back in the day. But you know what did happen? He ran the greatness and he was outplayed by someone who is greater than him. It happens. Anyway, that was my call on this. And I was going to set this up for the championship games, but let me go over this in the divisional round so I can wrap this show up. This looks very very familiar to me. And by familiar, what I mean is this particular playoff has happened before. The 2024 
playoffs, going into the championship games, this happened before. It happened in the 2007 playoffs. Now, what do you mean this happened already and blah, 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 blah. Okay. Here's what I mean it happened already. So, in the 2007 playoffs, it was the 2006 season. I remember this because we've talked about it on the show. I'm a New Orleans Saints fan. Born and raised in New Orleans. I'm in New Orleans right now, in fact. That was rebirth. Came back. They started off, won a couple of games, and then Monday Night Football, I think the 2-0 Falcons were playing the 2-0 Saints, and that's when the pump block, Steve Gleason, and it was running by Craig Deloach, I believe, number 39, and Saints won in rousing fashion. I think it was like 23-3. to Beat the brakes off the Falcons that night. Okay. They get to the playoffs. They get to the they get to the NFC Championship game. The Saints of 2007 playoffs is the Detroit Lions 2007. Think about it. A city that's gone through some depression. People were rooting for it to get back to its former greatness. It has a guy who came in who was a castaway from a California-based team at quarterback that came in and ingratiated himself with that with that team and community and made himself, reinvented himself. People forget Drew Brees, even though he had that Pro Bowl season, was thrown away. They drafted Phillip Rivers. They threw away Jared Goff, former number one overall pick. They needed first-round picks to be included just for them to take Jared Goff to send away Matt Stafford. And you have a brash coach who's willing to go for it on fourth down who came in and reset the market. Sean Payton is Dan Campbell in this situation. They're playing against a team that was the number one seed that has an amazing defense or a heralded defense, has some offensive playmakers and a quarterback who is not thought of as upper echelon but played ahead of his skis. Now, obviously, Brock Purdy's season is better than Rex Grossman's, but you see where I'm going with this. All right? 49ers parallel the Chicago Bears that year. Now, let's look at the other side, and this is where it gets really weird. You had this legit quarterback that was throwing the ball all around the yard all season to the point where they got the number one seed. And they were expected to beat that usual champion. Okay? This is the divisional round I'm discussing. Talk about the San Diego Chargers and Phillip Rivers. That's the Josh Allen and Buffalo Bills in the situation. They finally got the home game. They're going to beat the Vaunted Patriots. In this scenario is the Kansas City Chiefs. Cool. Well, let's see what's going to happen. Of course they're going to win, right? They have the talent. They have the seed. They have the home field advantage. And the Patriots won by three, just like the Chiefs won by three. 24 to 21 with the Patriots winning. 27 to 24 with the Chiefs winning. And you had them going to play a road game against a team that finally got a defense going and had an MVP quarterback who had a rep for not getting it done in the playoffs. Yeah, that's right. Lamar Jackson is Peyton Manning in this scenario. And before you scoff, just think about it. Supreme regular season success, MVP trophy already, on his way to winning a second. 
but couldn't get it done in the big moment. Couldn't get it done in the playoffs. Always looking up at that guy who, for some reason, keeps winning. Peyton Manning kept looking up at Tom Brady. Lamar Jackson keeps looking up at Patrick Mahomes. And you know what happened? If this plays out the way that everything played out in the other scenario, the 2007 playoffs, Peyton Manning broke through. I think Lamar Jackson's probably going to break through, but we'll discuss that on the next show. The San Francisco 49ers, who are the Chicago Bears in this scenario, remember, they almost lost to Seattle. Seattle outplayed them in that game, but they won 27 to 24. Weird that they won by four in this game. Very weird, right? Cool. Or, sorry, one by three in this game. Just like the Chicago Bears won by three. But we remember what happened. The New Orleans Saints had a lead, I believe, in the fourth quarter of that game. It's either late third or early fourth. I think they were up like 14 13 or something like that. And then they just rattled off points. Chicago just went in, rattled off points. Let's see if San Francisco is able to do that to Detroit. They're able to just get ahead and rattle off points on them. All I'm saying is I've seen this playoff before. It's too eerily similar. Too many things that stand out that match up with what we saw in the past. So I'll discuss the ins and outs of the AFC and NFC championship here in the 2024 season. But keep a blueprint of what's already happened in 20, uh, 2007. Because it's a little too familiar for my taste. All right, folks, that's this episode of the Chop It Up with CJ podcast. The recap of the 2024 divisional round games. Again, I'll be doing an NFC and AFC championship. I'll do show. I'll be doing individual ones, much like I did individual games for the divisional round. And that way you get more content. And also I'm able to focus in a little bit more. And you don't have a huge podcast to listen to. I also have a surprise coming up. I'm going to be in Las Vegas for the Super Bowl. I'm going to try that video component. For those of you all who have asked for it, I'll be doing that and doing it on YouTube because I think that's where some people want to consume stuff is YouTube. So be doing that. So again, for the Chop It Up with CJ podcast, this is Chris James signing off. Remember, if you want to follow me, my handle is at CJFlorida9. It's at CJ, the entire state of Florida spelled out in the number nine. And Twitter slash X is the best place to get my football-related content. I'll be posting quite a bit when I'm out there at the Super Bowl and also at the NFL Combine from Indianapolis. All right, folks, take care. Enjoy the rest of your week. Bye-bye.